you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. All right. Happy New Year. Here we go. Here we go. It is a brand new edition of the NFL Explained podcast. Mike M, as always, joined by my Super Bowl champ, Michael Robinson. Are you a big New Year's resolution guy? No, I'm not, Yams, because oftentimes we don't get our resolutions. And I have a theory behind it, but that might be a whole nother podcast. You know, this this is the Gregorian New Year. OK, <laughs> this isn't the earthly New Year. The earthly New Year's in March during the equinox. Are you just making up stuff? I've no. never even heard of this. this no, it's deal. not. It's not. It, it, it's literally for real. The, the new year for the Earth starts during the equinox when life springs back up into existence. You know, when the vegetables grow. Come on, yam. I thought the vegetables were always growing. I am <laughs> I am not the person to dive into this topic with you. Here, here it was. And look, we're going to be, we got a lot of actual football stuff to discuss. In fact, it is the art of the punt return. Little did I know that I was going to get like a, a lesson. I, I just thought you were going to tell me like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fast or, you know, you do work out. I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to work out as much. No, I'm going to work out. I'm going to keep working out. And yes, I do fast. But again, I'm telling you, that's why people's New Year's resolutions don't know always come to fruition because you're doing it on the wrong part of the year, man. You got to do it when life is coming up, not when things are getting cold and it's desolate and it's cold and there's no vegetables. Come on, yams. Uh, all right. I'm 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 on it and <laughs> I will try to do some Google searching when, when we finish up this record. But I think some people are like, the punt return, take me through this year. I actually was pretty excited. I got the text. I was told, hey, this is going to be the topic on this week's episode. And that sometimes I think people are like, well, special teams... I don't think they get enough love. I don't think special teamers get nearly enough love. No, it we is, don't. And I'm going to say we because that was my job for almost nine years in the National Football. You know what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. it's it can make or break a game. And when it goes well, it can go great. And if it doesn't go well, 
It's like a normal <laughs> situation. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Usually, you know, when you look at highlights, when you're a special teamer or core special teamer, as I was with the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks, oftentimes we our plays don't get on the highlight packages no. of these, you know, shows, right? Unless it's something really, really bad yeah. or really, really good. If you're just doing your job normal, you don't get any recognition. There are certain players that keep you watching mm-hmm. no matter what you know, if it's an offensive player, if it's a defensive player, very rarely are there the special performers, uh, the return guys, where you go, you know what, this dude might be able to take it to the house. Like I'm not gonna, this is not the time for the bathroom break because I want to see this guy and, and see what he can do. Devin Hester for me is one of those players, but I think we should start with a little bit of the history around okay. the punt return. This is actually something that's been a part of the game. Uh, the first punt returned for a touchdown, week two of the 1920 season. 1920. Yes. That was the first punt return? Yes. It was when Frank Bacon recorded the first punt return for a touchdown. His 60-yarder that helped the Dayton Triangles beat the Columbus Panhandles 14 to nothing. You heard me right. The Dayton Dayton Triangles. (laughs) By the way, if you're into team names, I'm just saying, if you want to go back to last season's NFL Explain podcast, you will be able to go through the history of a lot of the names for NFL teams. I don't really remember the Columbus Panhandles, but nonetheless, there (laughs) were five punt return touchdowns in the first ever season in 1920. More than 100 years later, there have only been three punt return touchdowns in 2022 so far. So explain to me, M. Rob, why are there fewer punt returns that you think we're seeing in the game? Well, first and foremost, the development of offenses and, you know, the the, the game and these quarterbacks just moving the ball up and down the field, the opportunity for punt returns are just getting less because the offense and defensive groups are taking up some sure. of the plays a little bit more. But I think it's because when you look at the punt return play in particular, because that's what we're talking about, it encompasses both offensive philosophy and defensive philosophy, right? When you're on punt return, when you're rushing the punter to try to block the punt, that's more of a defensive thing, right? You're rushing, Right. You're rushing. You're trying to take the ball away from the opposing uh, offense because when they're punting, they still have the ball. They still have possession. It's still their ball. So you're still trying to create good opportunities for your team. And then when the ball is kicked, that gets transitioned. And now you're playing offense. Again, punt and punt return are the only two facets of the game that are like this, where one part of it is offense, the next part of it is defense. And so punt return, yeah, now I got to worry about holding. Now I got to worry about my relation to the punt returner, the guy with the football. I have to worry about all the offensive principles to make the play a positive thing. So, yeah, I think that's why it's so hard to get a punt return is because it just encompasses so many different aspects of our game. A little bit later in this podcast, we're going to go through some of the best punt returners that the game has ever seen and some of the best ones that we have seen in the actual game. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's go a little bit more in depth on some of the philosophies around how you execute successfully a punt return for a touchdown. Take me through schematically what is actually happening on the field, because I think for a casual fan, you're like, yo, it's like kill the man with the football when you're (laughs) a kid. I've been it's crazy, Yams. I've been the returner. Yeah. Like, I've actually had the opportunity to have to catch the football, hear my spotter from the sideline telling me where everybody is, catching it, have to figure out where I am in relation to what the return is. I've been a guy blocking for the returner. I've been a guy rushing the returner. I've I've done it all from the punt return standpoint. So it, it's a little bit of a, a of a, just a unique position. But, yes, we we have plays. 
A lot of times there's sideline returns or middle returns or alley returns. And when I say alley, that means there's a part. Yeah, I'm going to the right. There's a right return for the returner. But from a blocking unit, part of that blocking unit will be blocking guys out. And part of the blocking unit will be trying to seal guys. So you're trying to get like an alley down the numbers part of the football field. Those are really, from a schematic standpoint, the real plays of punt return. Yeah, you can have reverses and specials and things like that that comes with it. But, yeah, those are really the plays when it comes to punt return. A lot of it's luck, man. A lot of it is catching the football, the returner just having space. And you want to get – look, a returner can't make 11 guys miss at one time. Sure. But he can make one guy miss 11 times. You get what I'm saying? So you want to get – Defense. You want to get guys on different levels so that if your returner is encountering a a, guy, a free guy, he's one-on-one with that guy, and then he has enough space to be one-on-one with the next person. Okay, so you also played quarterback. You know how thick some of those playbooks can be. <laughs> what you just described in terms of the return game is not exactly the same playbook. No. How much of it is dictated by where you actually are on the field? Like, I would imagine for you when you were playing quarterback, situationally, if you're at the goal line, you know, you're, you're thinking about, what, three, four mm-hmm. plays that are kind of like the go-tos in these situations. How much do you focus in on when you're, you know, trotting out there, you know, it's a fourth down for the other team, they're punting, and you go, oh, okay, cool, like, I'm at the, the 40, or, hey, I'm inside that 10. Take me through what you're actually thinking about in those moments. Well, it depends, right? It depends on your opponent and who you're playing. If you're playing a punt team, um, I'm just gonna throw a name out there, like the like like the Rams, and sure. Sean McVay. They'll, they, they'll fake a punt on you. They'll throw a pass or whatever. So whenever you get around the forty or you know between both forties and the fifty yard line, because if you were to fake it there, the opposing team still has a little bit of a ways to go to get a touchdown, and you know you're dealing with a team that will fake the football, maybe then you're in a punt safe. So sure. you do have kind of a return on. Maybe you keep your defense out there just to talk a punt team out from faking it. And what you'll do is you'll rush two or three guys and then just have those guys drop back to have a certain return. That is kind of like a punt safe deal. You maybe have somebody backed up. You may have a rush, right? And every single rush has a sideline return with it, right? So you may have all eight guys up at the line of scrimmage. You may have them all rush the punter. Hey, you guys miss. After you guys miss, we're going to all turn around. And now this turns into a right return for the punt return. So again, for all of our listeners and viewers out there, the punt team isn't just going out there and saying, okay, we're just going to catch the football and see what happens. No, there, there is a method to the madness. There is a direction you're trying to kind of move the punt team bodies into so that you can have a return and, and end the play on a positive note. How hard is it to locate the football once it leaves the punter's foot? Very, man, I can't lie, uh, especially as a returner. Yeah. Um, and really... Really, uh, the destroyers, the guys who are so again, you have a punt team, you have a punt return team. The gunners are the guys that on the punt team that right at the snap of the ball, they're on the outside, they get to go to the to the returner, they get to go to the ball. The destroyers usually are in a vice grip or have two guys out there to stop those guys from getting the free runs on the returner. And to me, they have one of the hardest jobs. They don't know where the ball is. They're fighting a guy. They're trying to block a guy running all the way downfield, and their back is to the ball and the returner. And I can't tell you, Yams, how many times where a returner is yelling, Peter, Peter, which means basically get away or Oski or whatever the code word may be for that punt return team, and the destroyer just doesn't hear them. 
because he's engaged in a fight with the with the gunner on that side, and then the ball lands and hits the gunner, and then it's a free ball after that. So it's a lot of different dynamics that goes on with the punt return team, and you got to communicate. And oftentimes, from a punt return standpoint, at that juncture of the game, it's a little noise happening in the game because the other team is punting. If you're at home, you're you're you know your crowd is excited, so. It's just a lot of different factors that go on to the punt return. Oh, yeah, on top of it's not like these are starters. And I and I, I was a core special teamer. If you're a backup in the National Football League, you play special teams. Without. There is no qualms about it. There's only 46 of us that are live on game day, so you got to do it. All right, outside of the safe moments where it's just like, hey, just make sure you, you, you catch it clean, at what point is it all feel like I got to imagine if I'm out on the football field, I got tens of thousands of fans that are just screaming. I got lights. I got banners. I got the whole thing. It, you just told me it's hard to locate the football. You got gunners that are coming down yep. and, you know, they're bearing down on you. Is it all feel before you start waving? Hey, you know, fair catch. Like wh- what's sort of that that point in your mind when that ball's up in the air? Because you're not looking at the guns. you got to be looking up. Oh, yeah, man. So you're oh. just, are you just feeling guys out there? Like, how do you figure that out? There is a feel to it. There is. Um, there is a spatial awareness. Yeah. Then, yes, oftentimes you have the loudest coach on your coaching staff on the sideline screaming, you good. That was the, what they said to me. Mike, you're good. You're good. Or no, no. You hear the word no. You start crossing your hands. You start saying no. Get away. Get away. Get away. And start yelling whatever your cold word is for guys to kind of get away. But yeah, there, there always is a plan. There is a feel aspect yeah. to it. And um, there's also game planning. So let's say, for instance, when I played, we would play against, I'm just going to throw out the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? They always had a bunch of linebackers on their roster because they were a 314. Sure. So you knew a teams that were 3-4 that have a lot want, of linebackers. I don't want that dude. I don't <laughs> want that guy. <laughs> well, you know that their special teamers are going to be a lot of linebackers. Exactly. Okay. I don't want any of that. You don't want to get hit by him, right? <laughs> Hell no. But if there's a lot of linebackers on your punt team, right, maybe not the fastest guys, maybe not the most ag- sure. guys with the, the most agility, then, yeah, as a returner, as a as a punt return team, we're going to have a lot more sideline returns, especially if I got a guy like a Percy Harvin or Allen Rossum, who I played with in San Francisco, or Leon Washington we had in Seattle before we had Percy Harvin. We got speed guys like that, and we're playing against a bunch of linebackers. Everything is a sideline return, yeah. games. Everything. And I was that guy that would – I was always the personal protector on punt and on punt return, basically the guy that would – you know, call out the return. I would get the call from the special teams coordinator. I would also be the guy to identify what's happening. Oh, this wing is on the ball. That guy's off the ball. Alert, alert, alert to safe. Something's up. This ain't normal, right? I was that guy. Or when the ball's kicked, I'll be the one drop back and be the personal protector for the returner. So just being able to identify the different things that the punt team is trying to do to you. And ultimately, your goal is to Give the ball to your offense. Yams, I'm going to repeat that again. The ultimate goal is to give the ball to your offense. And if you can make a quick 10 yards off the return, too, that's also a goal. Hey, real quick here. Is it, just to circle back, you said loudest coach is saying, Mike, you good, you good. No, no, no. Just for clarification purposes, you good means... You're supposed to run. Yeah, you can catch it. You, you have enough to space to go. There's no danger. You okay. can go and return it. If he's saying no, he's basically saying you got too much danger around you. Just make sure we catch the ball and get the possession. And at that point, you're going fair catch. Yes. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike M, M. Rob with you. M. Rob, just one other thing on this. You had said it's hard to locate the football. And by the way, very rarely on this show do I feel like I have real world experience. Uh, <laughs> this one, I actually do. Uh, years ago, I had tried to catch a football out of a jugs machine up in the air. I was over three mm-hmm. and I couldn't get over how much spin there was on the ball. And not only was it harder to track, but when it was coming down, I couldn't get over how fast it was dropping. How difficult is it to actually catch the football in those situations? Because it's very different than if you're a wide receiver. Like, the mm-hmm. angle of the ball is just completely different. Completely different. It's like it's falling out of the sky, man. Literally, um, it is. It, it so. is. <laughs> well, um, the nose of the football is very important. The nose of the football, especially in a punt or a pass, it tells you exactly where the ball is going. If the nose is up, yams, right? Which I'm assuming these jug machine punts that you were trying to catch, the nose was up. When the nose is up, the read for the returner is the back of the ball. Because the nose is up, meaning at the at its apex, the ball is going to drop and the, the back part of the ball is going to direct it where it's going. Okay? Yeah. So you see the nose up. 
You notice at its peak, the nose is still up. You better get the running up. That ball's going to drop. Oh, yeah. Because the, if the nose is up, the back is down. Yeah. That means it's going to drop really, really fast. And when you're catching the football, you want to keep your hands high, right? Um, I know a lot of our YouTubers can see us. But keep your hands high, right? You want to keep your hands as high as possible because – the 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 sight of the human being we lose the football in the last six inches of flight that is why that picture you showed me of you catching why are you got jugs on machine like i gotta that. put you on that was just for me and you man that's all good that's why that picture you showed me your eyes were almost closed oh. the ball was falling and your hands were reaching out for the ball yeah. Right, because it started making this. It started hard turning turn, on you, like yeah. a hard turn on me at the last <laughs> second. Again, your hands weren't high. Yeah, you weren't following the the back of the ball, so you had no idea where it was going to fall. Now, in contrast to that, again, ball is kicked, nose is up at its apex. You see the ball turn over. Now the nose turns over to now the nose is down. Now you better back up. That ball is going to carry. Right, because now it's like a pass. Now it turns over, and now it's it, it's not going to drop straight down. When it falls, it's going to fall more with an with an arc and over. So whenever when I was a returner, I saw the nose up at its peak, and I knew it was going to turn over. I sprinted back. Yeah, because it's easier to catch the ball going forward than catch the ball running backwards. So you just want to put yourself in a better body position so that you don't fumble. All right, not to get too into the weeds on the technical aspect of this, but I do think it's important to highlight here. We talked about wide receivers in a previous Mm -hmm. episode. I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Wide receivers, the best guys catch with their hands. And I think people will say, well, of course they catch with their hands. No, no, no. What I mean by that is they literally are only catching with their hands and not their bodies, right? Where the ball's kind of like they're trapping the ball around their chest. What you were just describing to me in my own personal experience, I had no chance of at the end of the day, (laughs) even if I had known, like on the third try, every single attempt, there was three attempts, every single one I got closer. Uh The third one, it had hit my hands. Like I just couldn't, I think if I had to do it again, I'm a little less, this is like 2014. I'm definitely (laughs) a lot older and a little less athletic. But I think knowing where it could have been, I I I probably could have figured it out. But the ball hit my hands. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't going to catch the ball at the speed and velocity it was going down. Now that I'm hearing you, I I think I couldn't have caught the ball with my hands. I think I would have needed my body. You would have needed your body. Do do all punt returners, are they thinking like that? Can you catch a punt with just your hands? You can. but And again, you got to say, first of all, we're dealing with the best athletes in the world. Okay. Yeah. My yams, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's not you. We're not talking about I, you. I get that. I We're get dealing that. with the best yeah. athletes in the world. So they got hands. I got like Kenny Pickett size hands. Okay? <laughs> not anyway, sorry. I, <laughs> and they small too, bro. Oh my goodness. They really small. But that's a whole nother conversation about draft and draft attributes. Um but these guys have hands, yams. Yeah. And so what happens is you just you want to give yourself the best opportunity for something bad not to happen. And so, yes, most of the time they're going to try to catch it with their bodies, right, because the ball is coming down pretty fast. But if you have your hands high and you know you're a good tracker of the football in the last six inches, you're going to lose it. If it does move a little bit, your instincts and the fact that you're one of the top athletes in the world, that part's of you kick in. There were punts and times in my life where I've caught the football and it's out here. But I was in a position to catch it. It's just that now I had to make a last-second adjustment, and obviously – it kicks in. Yeah, those last second adjustments, that's kind of what did 
me in. I just <laughs> didn't, didn't quite have it like it's that. It's all good, Yams. Yeah. I saw it one time when the teleprompter went blank, and Yams did a last-minute adjustment. He did the last 20 <laughs> seconds of the show off the top of the dome. That is what I'm talking about. I'm, yes. I'm much better in those situations, <laughs> trust me, than the ones actually out on the field. I dropped his name a little bit earlier in this podcast, Devin Hester, and at least for me, he is still the ultimate. And there's some other great names. Yeah, I, I got to yeah. interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I trained with Devin Hester. No we kidding. came out in the same draft. Yeah. We were we trained with Tom Shaw down there um, at, at the Wild World of Sports in Disney in Florida. We were in the same draft class. I, I remember watching him at Miami. And when we were training, we got a chance to talk and kind of like hang out or whatever. And I'm like, Devin, bro, what's up, man? Like, how did you get like it, it's like. The minute you step on the field for the punt return, the entire stadium stands up. He's that guy. You know what I'm saying? 100%. He's like, bro, you got to understand, Mike, during track season in high school, we might get 15,000 people show up for a track meet. I said, what? Wow. He said, yeah, it's a little different in Florida. And so what I started to notice is, man, yeah, the speed is different. The way that they respect speed down there in Florida is a little bit different. And Devin had no fear. All of the greatest returners that I've ever tried to tackle, I've ever tried, I've ever had to block for, they had no fear. Not saying that they didn't understand that there may be a couple of hitters on the punt team or the kickoff team or anything like that. But when they caught the ball, they put their foot in the ground and they decided to go forward. There was no fear. There was no doubt that they were going to get past the combat zone, which is when I say combat zone, that's really usually the 10 or 15 yard zone where all the blocking and stuff happens. Right. They were always confident they were going to get through. And the second thing that made Devin Hester ridiculously good and most returners. You ready for this? This is something that's biological. Okay, dude ain't had no hips. Dude ain't had no hips, bro. Like, what do you mean when by that? When you tackle somebody, yeah. right, and you grab them, a lot of times you're falling off until you meet ass and hips. Hopefully I can say that yeah. on this show. Okay? Yeah. It's all good. Okay? With Devin, he was straight up and down. Cribs, straight up and down. Dante Hall, straight up and down. They all, with you know, most of these returners – have the same physical attributes. You see what I'm saying? And so when you try to tackle them, these guys slip right out of tackles. And then Devin, once he started returning kicks, now all of a sudden he's in the punt team's head. And I remember playing against him as a rookie. I remember, actually, I think I played against Devin every single year of my career. No kidding. And going out as a punt team, he creates anxiety through the out team. Because you know it could happen to you. Because you know it can happen. Yeah. You're sitting there with the punt return. Like, literally, our punt return, I mean, our special teams coach, Brian Schneider, uh, he was with the Seattle Seahawks. I think he's with the San Francisco 49ers right now. We will be on the sideline like, yo, are we kicking it to him? We like, yeah, because it's an ego thing. You're damn right we go kick it to Devin Hester, and I'm going to make the tackle. And the minute he catches it, you can feel the energy of the stadium. It's like I'm watching a video game. It's like you can hear a fan start going real fast. It's like it's like the energy turns up. And then all of a sudden, I'm I'm running down the middle of the field. He's in front of me. Then all of a sudden, I start turning. I'm turning. He's turning the corner. And then all of a sudden, you start thinking, I'm going to get cracked back on. Let me start looking. And you start looking, and he's then gone. he's gone. And he's gone, and it's touchdown, bro. It's some of the weirdest stuff I've ever seen. Patrick Peterson had the same effect. Yeah. When he first got in the league, and we would kick it to him. I remember telling our coach, hey, bro, don't kick it to Patrick. He's too young and fast. 
He just is. I remember yeah. saying, looking at, I had Jeff Albrick, who's the defense coordinator um, for the Jets right now. We were on special teams together. Heath Farwell, we were on special teams together. I think he's the special teams coordinator up there in Buffalo. I remember having conversations with these guys like, bruh, we can't tackle him. These are real conversations on the sideline. So why? Because we're at home <laughs> hoping that you kick to him, right? So, like, we all get it. Now, this is the first time I've ever heard it articulated. <laughs> why are you even bothering kicking to these guys? Well, because, again, you get a guy like Real Mike Robb, who I was a special teamer, pro bowler, all of those things. Yeah. You talk your special teams coach into making some stupid decisions. But hey, it's coach, spe- we can do it. But that's got the Andy coach is Lee. for. He's one of the best punters. Andy Lee is still punting, I think. I think he punts for the Arizona Cardinals right now. Okay. Yes, one of the best punters in the league. We could pin him to the side. We worked on this all week. We pinned him two yards from the sideline. He's going to catch it. Then we can corral him, make sure our backside wing stays in his lane because he's going to show up. Guess what? Backside wing thinks he can make the tackle, gives up the edge. Devin Hester scores another touch. Percy Harvin was elite at that, too. Yeah. Well, look, not to Sorry, make this— Sorry, man. I went no, 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 no. I, I, I love it. good and players, it, man. It actually paints a really good picture of, of what we're discussing here. And by the way, just for some of our fans who might not be as familiar with Devin Hester, just a couple things I'll throw out your way. Four-time Pro Bowler. I'm mm. looking at some of my notes. 14 career punt return touchdowns. That is the most— in NFL history. He had four of them in 2007. That ties for the most in a season in NFL history. Can you imagine having four of those in the season? They are who we thought they were. Oh, that's the Denny yeah, Green game. How, Denny Green was one. like, we gave it to him. I shouldn't have kicked it to Devin Hester. Why did I listen to Mike Rob, my special oh. team's captain? That's probably what should have said. Yeah. Yes. He didn't drop that on you, but we did get a, a memorable soundbite. The other two leaders on the most punt return yards gain in a career in NFL history, Ryan Mitchell, nearly 5,000, 4,999. Dave Meggett, I remember him just balling out with the Giants back in the day, 3,708 yards, and then Hester just behind him, 3,695. Brian Mitchell, Dave Meggett, they came from a generation or the end of the running back generation, right? Yeah. I mean, this game for so long ran through the backs. No doubt. I mean, we had fullbacks going touch. I think yeah. Franco Harris, who just passed out too long ago, I think his official position was fullback or something like that at some point um, in his career. So those guys, Dave Meggett, Brian Mitchell, they were toward the end, the back half of offenses being dominated and teams being dominated by the running back. And it's because, again, just think about it, Yams. They got great hands. When they get the ball in their hands, they're a tough person to bring down to the ground. And I think when you look from a return standpoint, that's what guys were looking for back in the day. If you do like running backs and you want to hear about the decline of that position, mm-hmm. oh, we just did an episode on that one. Make Don't sure you say go back. decline. The reevaluation of the running back position. Um, you can frame it however you want. These boy wonder so. offensive coordinators think they want to throw the ball all over the place. Yeah. Well, running backs, man. Let's go. Okay. Well, you you be the judge of it, and you can decide. Yeah, I'm saying decline, one guys. Of, one of our, King Henry, uh, I ain't say that. No. No, I wouldn't say that to his face, <laughs> and I wouldn't say it about him. How about that? I'll double down. No decline in the king. Uh, there have been, by the way, some real changes to punt returns over the years. In order to increase a little bit of action 
and tempo, including restrictions placed on members of the punt team in order to open up return possibilities. Give you an example. 1974, the NFL barred all offensive players except for the two farthest from the ball. Those are the gunners that M. Rob made reference to from crossing the line of scrimmage until the ball was punted. Then in 1979, players on the punt return team were barred from blocking below the waist for safety reasons, which is definitely a huge one. I could not imagine running right? down there on the punt team and having to guard against a low block. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Ask Kayvon Thibodeau about yeah. that. Uh, even the changes that were made to open up the punt return game, the average yards on punt return steadily decreased from 2011 to 19 before increasing the past couple seasons. Just for context purposes, 2010, punt return average yards per return, 9.6. Let's fast forward to 2019, all the way down to 7.6. And then once again, over the last three seasons, there's been an increase, 8.8, 8.8. And then this season, we're sitting at nine. The player who actually holds the record for the highest average punt return yardage is Chicago Bear, George McAfee, who played 1940 to 41 and then 45 to 50. Man, for real? Yeah. You surprised by that? I mean, I'm a little surprised. I mean, but I mean, I always, and again, I know some of the, our, our legends players will get yeah. upset with me for saying this. I just, I just wondered about the competition back in the days, right? Like, you know, to average almost 13 yards a punt return, but who are you going against? Yeah. You know? All right. You took me into the weeds when it comes to the philosophy and the mechanics of the punt return. So we've already covered that. But when we come back on the NFL Explained podcast, we'll discuss some of the greats and some of the biggest punt returns the game has ever seen. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is my second favorite thing that we do in the show. Okay. You know what it is? What's that? Yo, just tell people. Yo, we're the DMs. Oh, man. okay. There you go. Not All right. me. Don't, don't, don't. DM, DM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You DM me. By the way, <laughs> they actually have been coming fast and furious. Like there is something to consistency and constantly promoting things. So if you have a question for the NFL Explained crew and you want us to do to answer that question for you, send me the note. I, legitimately, you're on the thread. I know I, am, I say this every every I'm day. I'm on the so, thread. He actually you know, takes a screenshot. He actually puts it on the thread, but it's good for me too, because, you know, I'm an analyst. I've forgotten more football than a lot of people know. And at the end of the day, sometimes I gloss over stuff, just thinking everybody understands what I'm talking about. So the questions are just a good reminder that not everybody understands it at the level that we do. And it just gives us a chance to break some things down. No, you use we, there, you know how many times I've seen the question? I'm like, that is like the best question ever. And I hit him back and I'm like, yo, that's an awesome one. We'll get it in. And you know, and there's been a few of these times where I've said, I've asked the same exact question. I promise yes. we'll work this into one of those mailbag episodes. So keep those questions coming. We really do appreciate it. But we are talking about the art of the punt return. And Rob did a great job explaining some of the, the fundamentals around those situations, technique, philosophies, schematically what we see on the field. What we want to do, though, is start talking about some of the records and some of the individuals who actually execute what Rob was talking about. So the team actually with the most punt return touchdowns in the season, 1959. Wow. The Chicago Cardinals. Yes, you heard me right. Chicago. The only team in NFL history to have five punt return touchdowns in a single season. By the way, I said that Devin Hester tied the record four in one season. How about this? The record for a whole year, Chicago Cardinals in 1959. That's crazy. And to, to also see that the Arizona Cardinals in 2011, yeah. I think that's the Patrick Peterson time yeah, when he was, was there. Yeah was a part of that again again when, when you have these exciting returners man it just affects so many different aspects of your football team four players that have scored four punt returns for a touchdown in a season in nfl history four total check this out peterson who you made reference to good call that was that 2011 team he had four by himself devin hester 2007 with the bears he had four 1976 <laughs> rick upchurch had the four and then in 1951 from detroit Jack Christensen also with four. I'm almost surprised that we haven't had. I am surprised. Right. Over the last few years or so, like one dude who. Well, especially with the the type of athletes that we right? have like the, the, today. But I also think when you think about Hester and, you know, when Patrick Peterson was coming along, that's when Hester was kind of on his way out. I just think that you had organizations embrace special teams. Yeah. I mean, just throughout history, you just don't see teams embracing. And when you usually when you think of special teams, you think about kicker, snapper, holder. You don't necessarily think returner or the personal protector or, you know, some of the different things that your punter can do. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I just think in that time in football history, teams embrace special teams. So 
I've made reference to this on this podcast. It's not breaking news, but I, I spent a large portion of my career over the last 10 years or so covering college football. What it reminds me of Christian McCaffrey when he was at Stanford. I mean, he's another guy mm -hmm. where you just stopped just to make sure whenever Stanford was on offense, but certainly on special teams, his ability to cut loose here. Now he's with the 49ers. Ray Ray McLeod does yeah. a great job for those guys. I can't imagine, though. Can you imagine if McCaffrey was back? I guarantee. And I don't know this for a fact. I ain't been to a San Francisco 49er practice in probably, I don't know, three years now since the last time he's I've been up there to practice. I guarantee you he catches punts still to this no. day. Just in case, right? I guarantee you that it's just in case, in case somebody gets hurt or whatever, or Kyle may just come to him and say, look, bro, I just needed you to catch it. You're the yeah. guy I trust. Go out there and catch it. Guarantee you he still catches punts. You know, and it's weird, too, because some guys have success at the college level in that, and then they don't necessarily have the same success. Well, again, it's not as glorified, like, man. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I'm telling you, like, when you get to the National Football League, you want to, you know, you want to go to the money spots, you know, quarterback, pass, rush, yeah. left. What's the pay scale for a returner? Like, where is that coming to? We're still debating, which I don't, I think the debate is ridiculous, but people are still debating on whether Devin Hester should be a Hall of Famer. Like, when you what? impact, yeah. when you impact field position like that, and you were exciting the way Devin Hester was. Definitely a Hall of Famer. I saw Dante Pettis set an NCAA record in the return game, mm -hmm. and yet, and he does still return in in the league. We see that occasionally, but it's it's just, you know. Well, it's different too. It's different guys running down there because I I ain't gonna lie, like yeah, I'm running down in the last of the football league. This tackle is gonna be gonna the reason it. I pay my bills. Yeah, the reason why my little girl has food in her mouth. So <laughs> yeah, you gonna it's get you gonna get this work, Yams. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Say it with your chest. <laughs> Guy breaks off a big return for a touchdown in the punt game. What's it like on the sideline? So is this against us or? Give me both. Punt return. Let's so, start with the positive. The like, positive. So punt return, we blocked for a good punt return, whatever. A lot of excitement on the sideline. I'm not going to lie from a special teamer standpoint. I'm thinking, okay, did I block my guy? Did I get full points in the special team point system? Okay, did I get pluses? I ain't get no negatives on this. We all got a game change in place, so that's extra points. Because, you know, I know in Seattle, we had, like, top hawk of the week. You yep. know what I'm saying? There's, yep. like, a point system we would get, and then we'd have talk, top hawk of the year. Out of my four years, I got it two years. <laughs> e Farwell got it two years, too. We kind of used to go back and forth. Badge of honor. Good. I like yeah, it's it. a badge of honor. Man. I got shirts and everything yeah. for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I would always think about the point system, number one. Yeah. And can I be honest with you? Yeah. I would think. Get your win together. You got kickoff. Like, literally, you you just don't have enough time to sit and just think, oh, we just did this. Hey, hey, happy, happy. No. I'm thinking about what I got to do next. People always ask me what I did on Beast Quake when he ran and did all that touch. I said, bro, I was thinking about kickoff. I was blocking, but I was thinking about kickoff yeah. on the next play. And at the end of the day, man, you don't get a chance to really celebrate those long returns or those big-time returns until the defense goes back out there. And one would think that the defense will be upset because now they just – they, they forced the punt. They now go they only go out there, get a squirt of water, and they got to go back out there for, you know, some of them have field goal, uh, no. you know, uh, extra point protection. Then they got to go back out there on kickoff and then defense. So they're excited. Anytime we're scoring points, the defense is excited. And oftentimes, the more points it puts the opposing offense in like, um, you know, one-dimensional game. So they like that. No, no. All right. Uh, one other note, by the way, on Devin Hester. 
I feel like this is like a lot of homage that we are paying him, and rightfully he's so. The great, he's the one of the best of all time. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he does hold the career record for punt return touchdowns with 14. That's actually four more than the next guy on the list. Eric Metcalf is that guy with 10. We made reference to Brian Mitchell earlier in the podcast. He has nine. But Emrod, in the mid-2000s, punts were actually returned nearly 50% of the time. That's dropped to a low of 40% in recent years, which makes the record for the most punt returns for a touchdown in a career ridiculously impressive. Mitchell, whose number we gave before with nine, he's returned 100 more punts than any other player in NFL history. More opportunity. Isn't that wild? That is crazy. 100 more chances to get into the end zone. That is pretty crazy, man. And again, the more chances you get, the more opportunities you get for an explosive play and explosive touchdowns. But, uh, man, Brian Mitchell was a dog, man. And I'm saying that in a good way. He was a dog, man. When he get the ball in his hands, he was tough to bring down. Yeah, you want dogs on your team. Uh, Danny Reese, by the way, holds the record for the most punt returns in a season in NFL history. 1979, 70 of them. Wild to me. Dexter McCluster, by the way, in 2013, the most recent with 58 punt returns in a season. You mentioned special teams, right? Like, how does a player just go and say, you know what? This is going to be my career. I'm going to be special teams, dude. Well, so, you know, I do USFL games, and the MVP of that league, Cavante Turpin, ended up getting an opportunity with the Dallas Cowboys as a return guy. And a monster. And he has been a monster. And I think what happened was he developed a reputation. His speed jumps off the tape, and I think he's going to be in the National Football League for a while now. I mean, he's a real weapon. I think you at least got to have the threat of getting touchdowns almost every single time yeah. you touch the ball. I think you have to have opposing special team coaches have to put you up on the big board on Monday when you first start your game plan and then everybody has to worry about you. Again, I played with Allen Rossum. I played against Allen Rossum and I blocked for Allen Rossum. When you played against him, Yes, you knew Monday you was going to have a problem. Dude was a track star and he could run through tackles. Leon Washington, same type of dude. Percy Harvin, same type of dude. And obviously we talked about Devin Hester, Patrick Peterson, and those guys. I just think that there's an energy that these guys bring to a team. And, yeah, as the numbers bear out. They don't score a lot of points. They don't score all the time. But at the end of the day, if you can flip field position, if you can average getting that 10 to 15 yards every single time you get a return, that's a first down. That was one of our goals as a special teams group. Retain the football, have the possession, get a first down the minute you get the football, get those 10 yards, turn bad into good. What's crazy about this is I said the record for Hester in a single season was four. Mm -hmm. I, I guess subconsciously I knew it wasn't a bigger number than that. But if I think back to that era and watching him that season, you would have thought it was happening like every game. Because you anticipated. Right? Yeah, like, you got ready for it. And again, you, it's the vibe around. Yeah, Denny Green in a whole press conference, man. <laughs> yeah, we thought they were. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why you kicked it to him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because there was an Emra <laughs> out there going, Coach, we, we got we him. We got him. <laughs> we, he's not that fast. Uh, you know, this actually surprised me going through the notes here. There's only been one punt return in NFL history that's gone for 100 plus yards. You would have thought that it was higher. Uh, Robert Bailey in 94, 103-yard return. Patrick Peterson, by the way, who's we've loved up, he had a 99-yarder, so he was knocking on the door Mm -hmm. there. And just a little side note, I know the Super Bowl is right around the corner here. Uh, It has never happened. A punt return for a touchdown 
in a Super Bowl. So I know that can't be one of your favorite memories because it hasn't no. happened yet. At some point, it will. That dude might be your Super Bowl MVP when yeah. it does happen. Yeah. By the way, is there one that stands out to you when you were either player on the sideline, when you were a kid watching the games? Like, is there that one iconic moment for you? Uh, iconic moment? I don't know if it's an iconic moment. I mean, obviously, we remember, you know, Desmond Howard. Super yeah, Bowl. He got a Super yeah. Bowl MVP. You know, the, the big one that we talked about, that was a kickoff, I think. You know what I mean? But he did have 90 return yards in the punt return game. I mean, you know, in the punt return game in that Super Bowl, and he won MVP. Obviously, we talked about Patrick Peterson, um, uh, Devin Hester, Dante Hall. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we ought to give him a little bit of credit, too. I, I forget what year it was, and I don't even know if I was in the league when it happened. I think he was playing the Denver Broncos. He did some spinning around, and it was in a flat. He caught the ball. He spent like three, four times. I interviewed him about it a, yeah. uh, a few years ago, and he, to, he said that play was when he knew he could make a career out of being a returner. It was like the minute he got to the sideline, everybody was like, dude, we got to get you the ball. This, that. So that's when he knew he had, found, he, he had found this place. But um, this game has had some really, really unique returners in his history. I've played against a lot of them. Again, um, Joshua Cribs, we still have, you know, we haven't talked about in, in guys like that. But these guys are unique. These guys are, have no fear, and they take returns very seriously. I mean, again, a guy like Leon Washington – Dude just dreamed about returning the yeah. ball. I mean, he was one of my best friends on the team. So, yeah, man, big-time influence on team. It's funny. I'm looking at Dante Hall and, and his success. He was a two-time pro bowler. He has got six career punt returns for a touchdown. That's the ninth most in NFL history. Five punt returns for a touchdown in seven years with Kansas City, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Yes, of course. What about that Deshaun Jackson one against the, uh, what was it, against the Giants? He played for Philly. Oh, dude. When they kicked uh, it, he kind of walked around. Oh, that was so dope. When I remember seeing that, I said, dude, it was the personal protector. I was like, dude, because, you know, as a personal protector, when you're punt, you don't punt, you got to be the one right over the football, man. And if he cuts back, that's your tackle. Oh, that was a walk-off. Let's go. Uh, You know, it's one of the things I remember watching that game live. One of the things that I do remember was Coughlin just going berserk. Yeah, because he probably said yeah. we shouldn't kick it to him, and he got talked into allowing it to happen. Yeah. And he was probably wanting to punch himself for kicking it to him. He was going nuts on <laughs> Matt Dodge, who was the punter. I it just I do vividly remember, you know, and and Tom had that like that glow about him, and when it got cold, like his whole face would be red, and it was just kind of comical. But I remember, like he 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 was blowing a gasket out yeah. of the football field. But a ton of fun. I actually, when I heard it, I was like, oh, this will be cool. I didn't think we'd go this long on this. It's well, this is my wheelhouse, man. I'm yeah, no, no, no. Demon, man. Kind of like digging deep on this. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. The Art of the Punt Return. Explain. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.